to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Geelong, 1626. By the 17th century, Spain's global empire reached even to Asia. Its major base in this part of the world was at Manila in the Philippines. There, Chinese merchants exchanged their silks for Spanish silver hauled across the Pacific from Mexico. But Spain wasn't alone in this part of the world. One of Spain's enemies, the Dutch, also arrived in Asia, threatening Manila and its trade. In the end, the Dutch set up shop uncomfortably close to Manila on an island now called Taiwan. Spain, it seemed, would have to respond. So in 1626, the Spanish attempted to counter the Dutch threat by setting up a Taiwan colony of their own. Jose Eugenio Borao Mateo is a professor of Spanish language and culture at National Taiwan University. He's made the study of Spain's short-lived adventure on Taiwan his life's work. Last week, he walked us through the colony's origins. And today, he's back with us again to look at one of the colony's great weaknesses. Also today, we'll be looking at the myth of a Taiwanese El Dorado and the story of a Spanish man who claimed to know where gold could be found. Before we get into any of that, though, Professor Borao reminds us once again that the Dutch threat wasn't the only thing on Spanish colonizers' minds. A Catholic order called the Dominicans saw a chance to convert souls. For the Dominicans, the ultimate goal was to turn Taiwan into a launchpad for missions to the places they saw as the real prizes, nearby China and Japan. Yeah, this is interesting because um, there's uh, two different kind of objectives. One is the one of the um, civil authorities, which is counter-attack the Dutch uh, activities here, and the missionaries. The missionaries says, okay, this Dutch, um, we don't like them, of course, but but our goal is in different direction. No? One is to enter in China. But at the same time, they have the idea of Japan. No? Japan changed, and later uh, the missionaries were not welcome anymore, and they were persecuted. So they thought maybe for the meantime we should stay in Taiwan, which is quite close to Japan, studying better opportunities to enter in Japan, to continue carrying out the activity that we have started before. Some Japanese decompressed in Manila and they went to, to Japan, they were killed, and Taiwan was really the, the stopover into these missions. No? Running the Spanish colony on Taiwan's north coast proved difficult. That's because a large number of the people there were either soldiers or missionaries, and there wasn't much local production to supply their needs. Near the Spanish base at Jilong, the indigenous Basai people traded widely, but they only grew enough rice to meet their own needs. Further west in Danshui, where another Spanish fort was built, forced sales of rice from local people created conflict. It wasn't just food that was a problem either. The Spanish soldiers stationed here needed equipment. We mentioned before the Basai tribes, they were more trading, and if they grow some rice, 
they were basically for their own consumption, no? So it was very difficult to, to trade, no? The people from Tansui, they were probably forced to sell their own rice, or that, so they entered in some conflict, no? But rice is not everything, of course. You, as European soldiers, they need a kind of clothing, weaponry, they need something that cannot be produced here. From food to other supplies, the Taiwan colony relied heavily on supply ships from Manila. But these ships didn't always come on schedule. Professor Barao says the effect of this on the people here was heavily disheartening. Of course, you always can survive. It's more disappointed, it's, it's morally speaking, no? in the sense that probably people expect to this relief to go back to, to the Philippines, but there's not relief, ships, so no way, you have to wait maybe for one year or six months, etc. It's more this sense of dependency. But what about doing some trading? It had been suggested that the Spanish base on Taiwan's north coast might be useful for trade. Especially if Manila were to come under Dutch blockade again, having this backup port on Taiwan might even allow Spanish trade with China to continue uninterrupted. But Professor Barao says the timing was off. After the Taiwan colony was founded, Manila was doing fine. More critically, without the inflow of silver from Spanish Mexico, Spanish Taiwan had little of value to trade. There was little incentive for Chinese merchants to come. The idea of the whole trade uh, was, uh, in general broad analysis, is to exchange the silver from Mexico with the silk from China, basically. So uh, for this you need an entrepot. Basically it was Manila. And then if Manila was under threat, maybe Chilon can be a kind of supplementary port for this uh, entrepot system. No? But if it's not needed, the role is very low, decline very much. No? In fact, once the Spaniards established this colony in the north of Taiwan, the ships coming in Manila from China start to grow again. Only once or twice is recorded that the Spaniards made some important attraction and some important business. No? Because you have to exchange something. No? The only thing you have to exchange is the silver. No? And the silver, which is the one provide for the payment to the soldiers, to the military personnel, to administrative personnel, is the only people can do business. No? So if you don't have this, the Chinese, they're not attracted. <laughs> We've talked about northern Taiwan's defensive value and its religious value, but did it have anything else to offer Spain? Some thought it might. The island's mountainous east coast facing the Pacific was a place where not that many Europeans ventured. And at a spot where one of this region's rivers meets the ocean, it was said that gold could be found. An indigenous village on this spot called Turoboan was rumored to have lots of gold. And Professor Barao says this story became a tall tale, not unlike that of the more famous El Dorado in the Americas. Both the Spanish in the north and the Dutch in the south were attracted by these tales and launched searches for the gold. There is indeed truth to the idea that Taiwan produces gold, but the Spanish and the Dutch were both to be disappointed. It is, after all, only some gold. The first Spanish gold-hunting expedition saw many would-be explorers killed in a massacre. Afterwards, the governor of Spanish Taiwan forbade all future searches. So, as 
you know, there is the legend, so to speak, of El Dorado, no? this place they can find in America, full of gold. The, the Spaniards uh, discovered that the little gold can be found was here in, in Turuan. They found something, but the first station was a, a failure, was a massacre, etc., and the governor forbid further expeditions. I mean, gold there was around, but it was not big quantities, but still, everybody has still in mind this kind of gold to be area to be discovered. No? I ask if there was much other Spanish exploration of Taiwan. Professor Barrao offers the story of a mysterious character called Domingo Aguilar, a maverick who may have come as one of the colony's soldiers. He married an indigenous woman and apparently knew the road to the golden village of Turoboan quite well. Later, when the Spanish colony finally fell to the Dutch, Aguilar became a person of interest, and the Dutch would try to force him help them find the village too. Two years later, he disappears completely from records, and no one knows what becomes of him. Probably only one is recorded of this. It's called Domingo Aguilar, no? That probably he came with the army at the very beginning. It's not clear. He is a soldier or an independent person. He married here with a local native. He was really independent, but cooperating with the Spaniards here at the same time, no? He made some trips to, to Rowan. He knew the road, and when the Dutch came, they were very much interested in looking for him. And of course, he doesn't have any other choice to help them. But it's interesting because in two years, or even shorter time, he disappears from the Dutch sources, no? Maybe he was scared, or he just preferred to disappear, or he was killed, or we don't know what's happening with him, no? In the final reckoning, Spain's project on Taiwan, all those supplies and relief missions, became a burden on Manila, with vocal critics calling for the colony to be abandoned altogether. Next week, Professor Barrao joins us once more to talk about the colony's decay and the trial of a governor after the colony's capture. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join